you could almost wrap it into a bit of an account strategy, right? Having a North Star that then informs how you're going to run your meetings and bring them along that journey with always like in the back of your mind, the paranoia that your product might lose relevance. And so how do we keep building on that, you know, month in, month out? Welcome to Startup Jobs, a podcast where we explore all the different jobs inside a tech startup. What exactly are they and what have we learned from scaling jobs from the inside? While a lot of other startup content focuses on the founder, the investor or specific area like marketing, this show is about your personal and career growth journey in whatever startup job is best for you. Yeah, exactly, Maddie. This show is about you. We want you to be the very best that you can be. Hey, hey, we're back, Mike. We are. Good to be with you, Maddie. Good to be with you too. For those that are like, hey, you guys used to release every week. Now there was this weird <laughs> two-week gap. Um, that That's on us. We uh, had our offsite together in Bali as a team, which was great. And then we had a whole heap of customer roadshow elements and conferences. And so we're a little on the back foot, but we are going nowhere and we'll do our best to record some beforehand if we go away so we don't end up with that gap and you're there sitting, huh, are these guys going to release any more episodes? So yes, we're looking forward to yeah, comparing notes on all the things that happen within a startup and uh, Maddie, now that you're moving into various roles, your curious brain's firing in all sorts of different directions. So what are we, uh, what are we chatting about today? Yeah, it certainly is. It's, I guess, what, what's been firing for me recently, uh, I guess we have like a whole bunch of different meetings in your day-to-day, um, podcast recordings being included in in a meeting <laughs> in my calendar these days, which is one of the ones I really look forward to. Nice. Um, but yeah, look, I guess, you know, previously I've been, I've been someone who all of my meetings have been internal meetings and I was pretty mm. conscious of that um, for the past few months. You know, I've come from the world in government where, yeah, every, absolutely every meeting was was internal. Uh, at Zipline, when I was in my people-facing role, you know, everything was internal and I spent like a lot of time with internal meetings, one-on-ones with the team. Mm. My, like in the past couple of months, like I spent a bunch of time, um, you know, getting a bit more external-facing in that I was running a whole bunch of interviews uh, with mm. candidates and then there was always the occasional kind of meeting with a supplier uh, that that I might engage with, but those were really, you know, I guess I was always the one who people wanted to be talking to in those meetings. I was the one mm-hmm. potentially offering someone a job um, and that they were trying to impress from the recruitment perspective. So mm-hmm. now that I've jumped into a more customer-facing role, you know, that's changed entirely um, and I now have customer meetings and I need to drive those and I need to make sure the customer leaves, you know, pretty stoked with the outcome and impressed yeah. by how, how I'm sort of running those. So keen to unpack today, uh, you know, like what are some of the types and approaches to running running customer meetings well? Um, yep. And like I guess, yeah, the big thing on my mind is how do I know if I'm running these well? How do I know mm. if um, the customer wants to come to those meetings and is leaving, you know, like impressed with Zipline and impressed with me as a cus- as their, um, yeah, account manager? Wow, so much there. <laughs> this is, this is going to be great. On that last point, like it could be fun to like start asking them. Um, yeah, what did you rate me? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Or I mean, I always like ending meetings with that question of what mm. was most valuable for you here um, or what was most useful for you here. And if that aligns to the goals that you had for the meeting, then you know you're in the 
in the yeah, right true. in the right sweet spot. But maybe let's zoom out for a moment and let's think about all the different types of meetings that one might have when sure. meeting with a customer. You mentioned when you worked in larger organizations and even when you were non-customer facing a zipline, like there are a range of different types of meetings. I mean, you can kind of, I don't know, boil them down into probably a couple of themes, which is like you're working on a project together. So you're getting different people together to like align on moving the ball forward on that thing. There's um, like problem solving types of meetings where you're getting together to try to figure something out to come up with a plan. Um, there's decisions, like there may be things yeah. that like you got to get together and um, decide on something. Hopefully there's less of these, but in large organizations, there tends to be a lot of like comms or status updates, um, which meetings Definitely. are not not good for uh, because yeah. <laughs> status updates are, are best done in, in writing and then you use meetings to problem solve, et cetera. Um, and tragically, sometimes in internal meetings, they're actually just fluffy just because they happen to be there and recurring and it just becomes mm. more sort of relationship orientated, um, et cetera. But they tend to be the major themes of like internal meetings. Do you think I, I captured just shooting from the top of my head there, the major internal themes, then we can swing over to customer meetings. What are the types of customer meetings? And then we'll finish on how to host a successful customer meeting. Yeah, yeah, awesome. I think, yeah, I think you've captured them all. I think the other one that comes up, which is it's just like the ad hoc riff um, probably based on yes. an email, but like they're, they're, they're actually like those meetings whilst, yeah, sometimes you wish you could do it in writing or do it in a voice note or a loom, like they're sometimes the most productive ones where, yeah, someone just needs a quick response or needs to riff on sort of what you put forward. But, yeah, they're not like recurring ones. They're just ones that pop up kind of on the daily yeah, and look, in an internal context as well, there are things that could potentially fall in the bucket of meetings, whether they were structured or unstructured. <clears throat> you know, you bump into someone in a hallway or someone reaches out and it's just like normal human-to-human -human relationship stuff, like they're blowing off some steam yeah. about some frustrations. Um, they may be wanting to get your feedback on a particular thing that they're worried about. And so, you know, that falls under, you know, sort of human relationship stuff. I mean, obviously, in a bad scenario, there's like, um, like gossip and, you know, unhealthy ways of dealing with situations. Um, now they play a role and can be flipped into something productive, but that is a topic for another day. Let's get on to customer <laughs> meetings. All right. So the types of customer meetings. Now let's, let's focus on customers now. So this is not prospects. So this is not someone who is considering being a customer. Sure. Because that's different and we can unpack that, but you know, typically that that goes through a process of um, like who the hell are you um, and there's sort of like an education and then discovery. So um, do you have these problems that we can solve and you go through a discovery process and then play that back, you then demo and show how you can solve those problems and then, you know, you create a structure around um, the sort of business value Um this is what the world would look like with us, you know, if we solve the problems for you and then there's a commercial uh, process to become a customer. So that's the hyper-summarized prospect side. So what we're talking about here is on the customer side because obviously now you're customer-facing. And look, I think on the customer side, it falls in those types of um, meetings as well. I, I would sort of zoom out in terms of those themes and we'll, we'll go through some of the specific ones. But 
like I would say the, the most common trap that I've seen people fall into in thinking that they are hosting good customer meetings and that they are in a good spot with their with, with customers is that they confuse good relationships and good vibes in a meeting um, and maybe even sort of personalizing things for them. They confuse that with relevance. Mm. And so most humans aren't going to be rude to you. <laughs> and if you're a good enough human and you're friendly enough, then most meetings will end feeling good. But that doesn't sure. mean that you've been relevant and it doesn't mean that you've moved the ball forward relative to like your goals. And it also doesn't mean that you've given them any value um, for things that they care about. And so I think going through a filter that is thinking about like is this relevant for them and if, and is this a value and are we moving the ball forward towards a broader goal um, of these two organizations. I think that really is the North Star. And then we can now unpack sort of how does that show up practically in a couple of different meetings. But just, yeah, any reactions to that sort of zoomed out view? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's sort of, it's like don't shoot for likability with your customers. Like don't shoot for them to like you. Shoot for them to get value from your product or which, which might include like a few tough conversations that actually leads to a positive um, you know, or leads to moving the needle forward. Like I'm just thinking just when you were saying that, like it kind of thinking about the whole thing we've spoken about this before, but like shooting for likability as a manager, like it's not what you don't want people to like you, like you want to be doing a good job of, of managing. I guess like mm. I'm just thinking of parallels there, like don't shoot for them to like you as a person, shoot for them to know that you're you're getting value for them out of the product and you're calling out the tough conversations that that gets you there. So um, yeah, I guess that's kind of initial reactions. Um, yeah, yeah. The one thing that's a little bit different, so you're, you're right as in the North Star should not be that this human needs to like me and mm. I think that is something that people fall Definitely. into the trap of, yeah. right? Um, yeah. However, there is a really important big asterisk on that. You can't deliver value and you can't be relevant. You sort of can't get to second base if you haven't run past first base <laughs> and uh, first base is uh, if I'm the customer, do do I trust you, and do I actually, and 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 do we have some sort of rapport? Um, now, do I trust you, and do we have some sort of rapport? Basically, means do I feel like you know me, and that you care about me, and that you have yeah. the capability of delivering me value? And humans are pretty good, man. Like we've got this in, you know, we've got this in our source code to be able to quickly figure out is this person in my tribe. Um, do they care about me or are they completely self-centered about only what that they care about mm. and could they potentially be helpful for the things that I care about? And so that can sometimes be f- uh, figured out intuitively and it's obviously then compounded by the actions and the, the engagement that you have with them. But, I mean, like they'll probably figure some of that stuff out in the first, like, frankly, handful of minutes but certainly the first 15 minutes of your first engagement. And so... You sort of can't be too hardcore in like I'm just here to like deliver yeah. new value and relevant. Yeah. You, to, to, to start out when you've got two humans getting together or a group of humans getting together, you're going to need to show that, hey, like um, I know like I care about you guys, I know you guys and I can deliver you value and there's a foundation like of trust there and rapport. So that that piece is important but 
you once that's established, we need to quickly get to our second base because if we're just always in nice rapport building, well, then you're just a wonderful human to hang out with, but I can switch off your service or I can spend less with you or et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Like you ultimately need to um, deliver value. So yeah, like I, I wouldn't underestimate where as, as a manager, yes, you also need to have the foundations of like trust um, and rapport, but I suppose like as a manager, you, you, you're operating quickly out of second and third base. So yeah, I just want to make sure that, that, that yeah. we're clear. However, just to finish the little ramble and then let's get to the customer <laughs> meeting, you, like you will be more successful if you optimize for customer value and being relevant. I think we've talked about it before around like if you're shit at everything in a sales role but you know your product really well and you know the customer's types of problems, then you, they can suffer through you being, <laughs> um, you know, a bit of a prickly personality or what have you but you can't be the most amazing human um you know just think of the most amazing hospitality engagement that you've ever had you know at a restaurant at a cafe and they're just really really wonderful but they keep bringing out the wrong order or they keep screwing <laughs> it up like yeah at some point you're going so to be far. like yeah exactly and so i think um from a from from a if you're going to weigh those two up i'd rather take the slightly obnoxious waitress and waiter but they deliver everything you know, well and yeah, on time sure. and they follow up on things that I ask for. Um, so I, I definitely do weight the second one higher, but you're going to get far greater impact if that foundation of um, rapport and trust is there. So a little bit of a side ramble on that point, which is which is important. Yeah, that's a good analogy though for for yeah how it feels as the as the customer. And cool. also when you got the two when you got the two together, then it's like yeah. fucking then it's fucking magic, yeah. right? Yeah, it's perfect. Yeah. Um, okay, so I think that the first point. In customer meetings, um, and look, this goes for all meetings, but the stakes are so high with customers is that there always needs to be a dance lead. So when you dance with a partner, there has to be a lead partner. I only know this in theory, by the way, Maddie. Um, <laughs> You're not the dance lead, Mike. <laughs> no, as you saw at our offsite, I did not take the... Did not take Didn't the lead take in the, the nutbush dance. Nut no. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I won't be leading any dancers. However, <laughs> in in meetings, then there needs to be a lead because if two if there's two sides that are coming and there's no one that's actually just not only coming with the structure but also leading mm. the discussion through the structure, then it turns into this um, nothing burger. It just turns into this wish washy, and then humans just default back to what humans do and there's like nice pleasantries and there could be some interesting stuff but we sort of end up in nothing burger land and so I think it's it's your responsibility to be that dance lead in which case going back to what do I want them to know what do I want them to do you know how I ideally like them to feel like that structure is just such a, a great simple structure to approach every meeting with Mm-hmm. And then in terms of like some specific structures that I found to be like exceptionally useful, it's like some of the winning by design content who are probably known as the best training organization for B2B SaaS startups. So, you know, just in terms of how to engage with customers and prospects, you know, uh, if you get a job at a startup, like I think their content's excellent and we can fly over some of the specific bullet points. But I think the sort of first meta bullet point is, all meetings need a goal, all meetings need a dance partner lead and you are that lead 
And so you want to think through what do I want them to know, what do I want them to do, what do I want them to feel, and probably what I want them to do is the single most important thing. Like we often spend sure. a lot of time going, oh, I want them to know all this stuff. Um, but you ultimately want to be landing on moving the ball forward and so the do becomes uh, super important. So, And I think that's because that's like where you get often get blocked in customer interactions, right, is when there's no do and all of a sudden you're blocked and nothing's moving forward, there's no momentum. And I think on reflection I've realised often it's because I've called out what I need them to do to to get this forward. Yeah. Um, and without without going without falling down a deep rabbit hole, because let's let's get to the meeting structure. But mm. one bit of complexity that makes it harder in the larger organizations that you work with. So we should also just quickly uh, define the difference between a small, you know, medium and large customer engagement, because this matters actually. Sure. And then we'll we'll finish on some some meeting tips and how to Mm-hmm. How to be a great dance partner lead uh, in a customer meeting, but I think in a small in a small business, and 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 the way to figure out am I working with a small, medium, or large business here um, as a customer? The easiest way to think through that is how many people need to be involved in making a decision at this organization. Sure. And if it's just one person, then you're dealing with a small business. Now, a small business could have quite a lot of employees, may have 100 employees or 200 employees, and it comes down to the culture and the way that. But if that's run by a founder CEO who basically makes all the decisions, then as long as that person's in a meeting or someone close to that person, then you can get a lot of do's moving quite quickly. In a medium organization, it may be two or three. In a large organization and enterprise, you may need upwards of 10 people that need an input into making a decision. And so... These are large decisions, by the way. Um, mm. E.g., should we spend hundred thousand dollars on this bit of software, or should we implement this bit of software that changes, you know, a process? You know, in a larger organization, there may be five, ten people that need to be part of that decision. Where in a small business, one person can't just make that call and do it. Mm. And so, I think that and that also sorry, sets the tone. It. By yeah. the five ten, do you mean like like it's different levels of approval to even get it to sort of the final signature, or is it like uh, that final it, signature? It, no, it's, it may not even be in a, an official formal process. It could just be, oh, like I can't implement that tool until I talk to the marketing team, yeah, and then right. when I talk to yeah. the marketing team, there are three people there that are really going to care about um, the type of data that I capture because they're dependent on it in their CRM, you know, or this person's really going to have a strong opinion about like this tool. Um, yeah, sure. I mean, to use a, a HR example, which you'll be familiar with is like recruitment software. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know, so if you were to deploy an ATS, like an applicant tracking uh, software, excuse me, I got a little bit of a cold, um, which basically tracks all the candidates coming in and your interview notes and all that type of stuff. You know, in a small business, you may just need to speak to the owner and yeah, that sounds great. Like let's implement it. Yeah. In a large organization, you may need to speak to or at least bounce it off every single person in the leadership team, which may be six or seven, and then there's different people. I mean, you, you can quickly see how five to ten people mm-hmm. is not too hard. Even if they're not a formal approver, you need to make sure that they're on board because you're making process changes that implements uh, so that when you implement is going to have an impact in their world. So, therefore, um, so that just gives you a little bit of an idea of the size. Mm-hmm. And the, the reason I say that is because the, the do, <laughs> you know, what do I want them to know? What do I want them to feel? What I want them to do? If the do is really big, like for an organization, 
then the meetings and the meeting and the meetings that you host need to potentially figure out how to bring these various six people along for the ride to be able to make yeah, them do sure. that. And the analogy that I really quite like is um, buying an Xbox as a family and Strategizer had this in their Valley Prop <laughs> Canvas book. Are you familiar with this one? Yeah, yeah. I actually watched this video the other week. So. Oh, really? Yeah, nice, <laughs> nice, nice. Um, I like the twist at the end. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And actually maybe why don't you play it back because it's basically you think of a family buying an Xbox and you're like, oh, the family is just going to decide whether they buy an Xbox or not. But actually under the hood the complexities of the various stakeholders and how that decision gets done and then you translate that over into an organization and then you can quickly see you know if an organization is five ten times larger than a family just the how the do can be quite hard like how does this family decide on buying an xbox do you want to maybe just quickly share the analogy and we'll connect it all back to meetings yeah, well, I hope I get it right, but basically it's like the the initial, oh, I don't know my terms well, Mike, but the initial. That's okay. Don't worry like about the, the specific terms. <laughs> basically, it's like the kid, the kid will present back to mum and dad, this is the reason why I want the Xbox. You might have a saboteur in the room who's his little sister who doesn't want him to get away with the video games. Um, you'll have mum's the decision maker, dad. Uh, Dad could be the financial, you know, like the financial yeah, control. I, whatever. I think they've got in that in that scenario, they've got dad as the the influencer and stakeholder. So dad's like, yeah, yeah, yeah let's get an Xbox in the family. Like mum's the ultimate economic buyer. So mum yes. in this scenario is the, the one that's gonna, you know, open the wallet or not. And yeah, the kids are um Oh, what do they call them? Not, I mean, they are influencers, but the kids are. They'll be the end user as well, won't they? They are the end user, yep. but they are the um, they're the champion, right? So they're champion, the happy they're like, the yep. happy champion. Yep. That's like hell yeah, like let's do this, this is thing. So great. <laughs> and then and then grandma comes in as the saboteur, who's like, ah, yeah. oh, kids should be out in the yeah. sunshine playing in the park, right? And so <laughs> the saboteur can sometimes kill decisions in an organization, right? Mm. So if you just think of those high level personas, you've got the end user and the champion and sometimes you may have a meeting with an end user and a champion they're like man this like you know your software your thing like's freaking amazing like we love it like you know everyone should be using it we should be doing more and you could be sitting there like with your happy ears and because you don't have a particular purpose you're just like man like acme company loves us but you've just been hanging out with the kids playing xbox all day yeah. right <laughs> and you don't know that they just hired a new you know they just hired a new coo that is like a grandma that's come yeah. in going like kids should not be playing and so they could and then all of a sudden that organization goes we're not using your software anymore and you're like fuck i've been meeting with them every two weeks yeah how did i not know about that right and so back to meetings um you know the reason i share that is because an organization in i need an organization to do something we need to be aware of those dynamics and so sometimes when you're focused on building a relationship with a person in an organization, actually one of the very, very first goals when you're trying to figure out a customer is actually just understanding some of those dynamics, both within your context, but actually even within their own world, because each company makes decisions differently. Each organization has a different uh, center of gravity as it relates to power. Like I've worked in organizations where marketing is God. Um, yeah, I've right. worked in organizations where operations and finance is God. I've worked in organizations where sales is God. Um, and believe it or not, I've actually worked in an organization where legal is God. Um, right. mm, uh, 
it actually changed when I was there. Story for another day. And I've actually come across organizations and I, where we've worked with where I realized that their legal team is 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 ultimately driving a lot of the end decisions, um, which just comes down to risk adverseness. Like if the organization sure. has had like major potential crippling death over a legal issue, then the organization basically goes, fuck man, like we can never be in this position again. And like the legal team just gets so much power that everything has to run through the legal team and they they cripple, you know, they cripple so much. Um, But I I suppose like understanding where's the central, you know, areas of of power um, and just like in a family dynamic, like there may be those, you know, dynamics, but like ultimately mum's like, yeah, do you know what? Like she's already made up her mind and she's come up with a deal and a structure that says if the kids get the homework done and they do these things, then do you know what? Sure, like it can be a great idea. And yes, the grandma is there as a saboteur, but mum's powerful enough to be able to say, don't worry, grandma, like I'm getting this thing done. But in a different family dynamic, there may be different um, things going on and different abilities of influence. Um, So I think, yeah, the, the first thing, let, 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 let's get back on track uh, onto meetings. Um, one of the, the first meetings when you're thinking about like discovery meetings, which is, okay, you're trying to understand this organization, their needs and challenge in their environment. Um, then, I, then I think that the way to kind of frame that, okay, so you want to go to every meeting like with a goal, which is what we were talking about, right? And we got distracted with the whole um, organizations and and how do you get different organizations to do something or you know a person to do something and that was the complexity that was the complexity there but if you're going into a meeting like let's maybe just start with some of the high level basics um i like what winning by design have which is start every meeting with ace so you want to ace every meeting um and i would say the best meetings always start with ace do you know the ace appreciate your time (laughs) Why can I not think of the C? E is expectations for the meeting. Oh, is C the time? Oh, no, appreciate your time Check is time. checking the, checking time. That's right. Making yes. sure that they've got until the meeting goes to. Yeah, and so this is like quite practical, but I find if you start every meeting with ACE, you're almost guaranteed to have a good meeting and you can't host a good meeting unless you prepare for the ACE. And so what I notice yeah. on internal meetings is the best meetings always come out of the gate with a really, really strong ACE. And you can't wing you can't wing ace in the moment. You can't just like yeah five sure. minutes before the meeting <laughs> attend and then like shoot from the hip about ace. Like you have to think about ace. So A is really nice. Just like hey Maddie, I appreciate it. it's a really really busy time in the manufacturing industry right now. The fact that you've taken forty five minutes to spend time with us, like genuinely want to appreciate it. Um, just want to check we've got forty five minutes set aside for this meeting. Does anyone here need a dash like earlier? Um, or are we good for the full 45 minutes? Um, and then people will be like, oh yeah, nah, that's good. And then I like to squeeze in, Hey, if the conversation is going really well and you know, we're, we're, we're unpacking some, uh, important topics. If we bleed five, 10 minutes over, is that okay? Or do does everyone have hard stops, you know, at that, on the hour? Yeah, nice. Now the, the, the reason for that, and then I always say, Hey, look, the reason I ask is just so I can manage time as we go through the meeting. So if we're in a certain point where we're discussing something, but hey, we know Barbara's got a dash at half past. There's nothing worse than someone halfway through a meeting like, hey, I'm so sorry, but I got to run. And you're like, fuck. They were like, yeah, absolutely. I needed their buy-in or I needed them to feedback to that thing. And you didn't even build that into the structure of the agenda and you got that surprise. So um, I appreciate 
it's just you know nice human thing to do. Um, C is a quick time check and just understanding where do people need to dash. And then E is setting expectations. Okay, so the goal for this session is I want to walk you through our new product feature, you know, Sunrise, and mm-hmm. it's got three things that we think are really relevant for you. We're going to take you through that. We're going to show you how you could potentially, you know, help your recruitment team with this. And then we'll finish with you sharing whether you think it makes sense for us to have a more detailed demo with Blah Team. And if you're not in a position to make the call in the meeting, all good, you know, we'll then set a follow-up um, to get that feedback. But we're basically aiming to, does it make sense to have this, I don't know, demo in more detail to your broader call center that covers recruitment? I mean, I just like totally making up like a rando example. Yeah, but <laughs> you're basically very clear on the expectations of we're going to do this yeah. today and this is what the next step's going to be. So you sort of start with the end in mind and that's when you may have a bit of a just want to align is that aligned to your expectations is there anything else that you wanted to make sure we covered today um and then you can actually kind of continue to go back to that north star like in the meeting um okay yeah but I almost just feel like you can't go wrong like if you ace a customer meeting yeah 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 and definitely like i mean i guess um that's always how i've been starting off these customer meetings and i think yeah adding the the question of like what else do you want to add or I think there's a way you can frame that question that isn't like rather than saying is there anything you want to add, you say what do you want to add to that to just like get the additional. Well, it doesn't have to be add. You could just be like, is that aligned to your expectations? Yeah, yeah, sure. And are there anything else that you want to make sure we cover today? Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. To make sure that yeah, they're not coming into a meeting expecting one thing and not getting their opportunity to. But then, but then this is also where the prep's really important, right? Like, I, unfortunately, still over half of my calendar has meetings that it's not quite clear what's going to fucking happen in that meeting. Yeah, now, right. I know a lot of these things, um, but if I'm a like, let's like respect our customers' time, mm. and in the calendar invite make it very clear what the title of the meeting is and what the goal of the session is and what's going to be covered in a handful of bullet points. When that's done well, what they end up seeing is, oh, shit, I need to bring Jenny to this meeting because you're going to ask me these types of discovery questions, you know. Um, And I think we can also be, you can be clear. So this is when we now get into the different types of meetings. So uh, discovery meetings are are probably the hardest to run. Um, but they're probably the most important and how to frame a discovery meeting. This is where you, you, you're like, hey, we would love nothing more than to talk for 45 minutes straight about how amazing our product is and how great all our features are and just demo your eyeballs off. Like, we, I, like I would love that more than anything else. But I don't want to show this next product or I don't want to take you through that in areas that aren't relevant aren't relevant for you. So mm-hmm. what I want to do in this session is basically just pepper you guys with a bunch of questions to understand, you know, how do you do this today? Like what's your processes for this? Like where are their challenges and pain points? Like what reports do you need for like this boss? Like how do you do it? Um, and I just want to get a picture of understanding that entire like environment and then we will then synthesize that after this meeting. And then the next session we come to, we will customize the demo or we will customize, you know, what we take you through to be highly relevant to the areas that you told us about. And so, because no one's going to want to like, if, you, if, if someone sets a meeting up with me 
and let's say I'm the customer and they're like, oh, Mike, we just want to like chat about, you know, all the challenges you have around, um, I don't know, finance reconciliation and accrual accounting or something, right? Um, yeah. I'm not particularly motivated to meet with someone to just chat about all my like problems. The, the, the only way that like if that shows up in my calendar hypothetically, like I'm busy, I've got a gazillion things going on. Like why would I talk to John from Acme finance software um, and, and, and do like discovery around all those things? The only reason that I do it is that sure, there's some rapport, but like I trust and I have confidence that this person is going to be relevant, that if I share these things, they're going to come back with something that may be able to solve like some of these challenges. Um, so discovery meeting is one. And so you want to be clear, even in the goals of a discovery meeting, it's like the goal of this meeting is for me to understand everything that's relevant in your world so I can come back with a banging like demo or a banging proposal or what have you. Yeah. Okay, so that's one type of meeting. Another meeting is an actual demo meeting and we're going to have a whole episode on how to host a really, really good demo meeting. Like most nice. do a spray and pray and there are these like long monologues that go for 15 minutes, <laughs> you know, in, in bits and then end with, are there any questions? No, let me now do a monologue of all the gazillion features that are in that area. Like a good demo meeting um, should feel like you're building momentum and you're going back and forth and they're like, oh, oh that's amazing. Can I do like this? And yeah, um, so we'll talk about demo meetings, but this is where you're showcasing something. But again, with every meeting, um, like if I was to ace the beginning of a demo meeting, I really appreciate all the effort you put in previously. We had this great discovery. You told us all about this stuff. Um, just want to time check. We've got an hour set aside. Does anyone need to dash, dash any earlier? Like a lot of these things you can hear just like naturally rolling off the tip of my tongue because I've said it fucking 500 <laughs> times, right? And so yeah, you, you want to be in that world where you just, you never ever have a meeting that you don't ace, right? And then to set expectations, sure. the goal of the session, we're really excited to demo and show you some stuff, but this is really interactive. We're going to show you something and then we want to, you know, hey, like hopefully light bulbs go off. You know, I'd love to get your reaction. Love to ask questions, kind of do this or that. Um, uh, and then we will end this session with you saying, yes, this makes sense to get a one page, like ROI business case made up, mm. you know, in which case we're going to need a meeting with blah. And then we'll come back with a one pager that, or, or whatever, like I'm, I'm sort of just like riffing, but, but again, you're setting expectations very clear. It's not just for me to demo a bunch of stuff. And then we end the meeting and they all go, oh, that's really nice. And then now you're in email hell trying to like set up yeah. the next thing like you want to end every meeting very clear that hey like if this goes well if you like what you see in this demo and you think it's relevant what this is back to the dance lead the next move that i'm going to do i'm going to ask you to host a session with your chief people officer where you know or we're going to work with that team to get this type of data um, and this type of input yeah. to be able to do a one pager to then take yeah. it to your chief people officer. Like, are we aligned with that? And then very quickly, because it's easy in a big organization to just meet with external folks and just see shiny toys, right? Like totally. people yeah. can kick the tires all day. Like, and if you meet the kids in that Xbox example and say, yeah. hey, kids, do you want to see one of the new computer <laughs> games? Like, hey, of course, like I'll course. come to 10 of those fucking meetings, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, but hey, kids, we're going to show you one of these meetings. And then at the end of this meeting, if you like this, you know, we're going to then... Um, let's see if I can stretch this analogy. Like, <laughs> we're then gonna want you to set up a meeting with mum. Um, you know, like where we can come up with, hey, this yeah. is gonna cost fifty bucks, and we're gonna maybe need to add more, you know, chores. 
you know, do they, they will either then go, oh, shit, no, no, we can't do that. Like, yeah. okay, great. Well, then you now know that that's not going anywhere or they can be like, okay, yeah, great. Like we're, we're in, like we'll set that meeting up with mum, et cetera. So <laughs> I think every, yeah, that's, that's a discovery. That's a demo. Um, I think like sort of whips um, work in progress meetings are important. So projects. So this is where you've got things right. that are ongoing yep. and you're, you're synchronizing every month. Um, even then you want to be moving the ball forward. And if you're not moving the ball forward towards a goal, well, then you want to be setting a goal where it's like, hey, we're meeting each month, you're a customer, you know, you're 12 months into a three-year contract. Like, hey, we can kind of keep chatting and there's no issues and what have you. But like something that's missing here is we don't really have a North Star of what success is of you continuing to use, you know, our Canary software. Um, so what we recommend is we refresh this every 12 months and like let's take a look at, like why even keep using Canary software? Like what's the goals that you're, you're trying to work towards? And to use a term that comes out of winning by design is, you know, you want to set up a joint impact plan and you probably want to refresh these every 12 months. So even when you do have recurring customers and they seem happy and they seem fine, you want to go back to, okay, like how do we know in the next 12 months that you continuing to work with us at Canary software um, is delivering impact to your organization? And then you can, again, like sort of start with some light disco and then, you can then reorientate that um, regular uh, monthly sync around mm. some sort of North Star. And yeah, that North nice. Star shouldn't be what Canary Software cares about. That North Star needs yeah. to be what the organization cares about. And so even in a, in a scenario where you're having like a, a regular rhythm, you know, the goal is not to just have a relationship and make sure there's no problems. You always want to be working towards a North Star, you yeah. know, which is something that they care about and is like impactful for them. And then you want to be like finding adjacent, you know, areas in those in those sessions as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think that, that North Star points really stood out to me there because I think, yeah, I think I've found it hard to connect kind of how everything yeah how every meeting links to each other and wanting it to be I also suppose like if you release a new feature or you're working on a new feature you want to not just be like hey look at this new shiny thing you want to be like oh remember how you said this was important for your organization and this is where you're going well you know we've released this feature and I think this is going to help you achieve x y and z and like get that validation from the customer as well um that it is linked to that north north star for them yeah rather than feeling kind of schizophrenic like here's here's this feature, here's that, like, they're like, okay, I don't know how this actually helps. Um, so, yeah. And what's what's interesting is, like, soft, particularly, um, you know, we're talking about startups here, right? And so, a lot of these uh, are software into an organization, but it's also this true for B2C, like software into consumers. But you can fall out of relevance. You could have higher relevance and you can fall out of relevance. You know, this is happening for us yeah. now internally where we're about to churn from, um, SaaS Optics, which is a billing engine software. Look, it's not cheap. It's about 50 grand a year for us. And, you know, we're not massive. And when we signed up for it, it was highly relevant. Like, and it totally sure. made sense. Like, um, spending 50 grand a year saved us maybe 100 grand a year plus in, you know, wages in three different people's, you know, jobs. And we then freed them up to do other things. And it saved a whole bunch of like billing complexity and stuff. But now we've realized actually we've set up some other systems and some other processes and like we do this thing and we do that and we kind of don't really need it anymore. Um, mm. Now they don't know. Like they're going to get a surprise call if not already uh, very soon saying, hey, we cancel. Yeah. Um, 
Now, they may actually see the software being used regularly. You know, if they had like a low-level meeting with, you know, one of our junior uh, bookkeepers, as an example, like they may just be saying everything's fine, but they don't know that the organization, like that their tool has concrete cancer, um, you know, which yeah. is a term which is hidden. There's a cancer inside <clears throat> uh, inside the concrete that can risk, you know, an apartment building. <clears throat> so, you know, on the outside it looks fine, but on the inside there's there's cracks. And so... You know, when you're engaging with an organization on, let's say, quarterly business reviews or in these week, uh, these monthly sessions, you want to be orientating back to how is this thing having impact, you know. And I even think about us using HubSpot right now, like the way that we use HubSpot now versus the way we used it two years ago is changing and its relevance needs to continually be updated. So, you know, if, if HubSpot were regularly engaging with us, um, that'd be like, okay, what's going on with you guys as an organization right now? Like, hey, HubSpot can do literally a gazillion things. Um, And then they would find a North Star with us together, which is like, okay, like if we did this and we did that and we saved that team this or, you know, we helped optimize this, you know, would you continue finding, you know, value? And then you kind of then build some success metrics and some impact around that. And then you're moving the ball forward on those, you know, each month. And you're getting a buy-in from an executive on their side to say, yes, do you know what? Like if you're, I don't know, like if you guys are doubling the amount of leads that we get on our website and, you know, you've optimized this and you've done that in the next 12 months, yeah, like the CMO at Zipline says, yeah, hell yeah, like HubSpot's doing a great job. So you wanted something very simple and small and then when you're then meeting with them each month, you're like, hey, Uh like remember we're working towards doubling, you know, the leads that are captured on your website. Hey, I noticed you haven't installed like our chatbot thing. Maybe that's something we can turn on. We can do a six-month trial. You know, let's see if that moves the needle on that. And then now all of a sudden that working team is working towards something. <laughs> um, yeah. And then I think that then um, makes it easy to put a purpose and a goal in each one of those meetings. Yeah. And it's also like I think the meta theme I'm getting through from that is that like don't be complacent with the value of the product with the customer. No, like be it's, paranoid. Be paranoid. Pe- yeah, like consistently, like yeah, always be paranoid and so hence always be driving towards being more and more relevant and giving more and more value. 100%. And that's that probably, yeah, like sums up what recurring impact is all about and making yes. sure that like you're consistently building on that. Your product will not be relevant forever. So yeah, be on the front yep. foot with you that with customers. Ding, yeah. ding, 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 ding. Yeah. That, is the, that is the winning answer. <laughs> like, you know, software ultimately uh, and startups have its most value when it's recurring revenue, right? Whether that's yeah. that subscription in a personal world on Netflix, whether obviously all business to business now is is primarily recurring revenue. And what makes startups interesting, what makes startups valuable is getting recurring revenue, but there is no recurring revenue without recurring impact. Mm-hmm. And the impact that they signed up for, you know, can quickly change. And particularly now that, you know, we're going through some form of a recession, we're going through some major changes, you know, in the economic and um, uh, the sort of the capital environment, like accessing money and funds and all that sort of stuff is it's going to be wildly different in the next three years than it was in the last three years then everyone's thinking about the spend and everyone's putting the scrutiny on this software or this engagement or what have you. And so this recurring yeah. impact matters, you know, more than than ever. Um, and nothing is safe. Like you're going to have to make sure that you're, you know, you're going towards that North Star. Um, do you know what? Let's do a whole dedicated issue on screwing something up, customer yes, being unhappy right. and how to manage yep. that. So yeah. if you want to add that to the run sheet because that... <laughs> 
that deserves fifteen minutes on its own, and we've been uh, having a good a good crack here. So maybe in good uh, meeting hygiene, if this was a meeting, Maddie, I would say, what did you find most useful here? <laughs> I've almost come to predict this question, haven't I, Mike? So <laughs> I think last time I asked you, do you want to know what I thought was most useful? Um, for me, it was. Uh, I think honestly having the the North Star point actually is probably what I've been missing is that I've been too, uh, yeah, too probably a bit reactive in how I've been running meetings and like, oh, what do we need to discuss and what was what was the action items last time um, and not having, yeah, being a bit like, oh, here's a feature and here's a feature rather than having this kind of like you could almost wrap it into a bit of an account strategy, right, having like a strategy for like having a North yep. Star that then informs how you're going to run your meetings um, and, and bring them along that journey with always like in the back of your mind the paranoia that, your product might lose relevance and so how do we keep building on that you know month in month out that was yeah that was a huge takeaway for me and um yeah definitely something i can start implementing like right now with my customers nice 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 yes i mean if you zoom 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 out uh why don't we do this Uh, yes there's structure yes there's tips uh etc but i think there's a couple of things that sit under the hood you know one is comfort is the enemy of growth and so Mm -hmm. It's more comfortable and it's easy to meet with other humans that are in a recurring and have a nice chat and (laughs) hear things that, oh, it's all fine when it don't have any issues and you hang up and you're like, oh, they're all fine, you know, move on to the next one. Um, But forcing some productive paranoia to surface and Mm. challenging yourself to go, actually, we don't have North Star of impact here. That's going to take you out of comfort zone, but that's going to take you into growth zone where, okay, like we now need to align to something that is of high impact for this organization. And and, and an easy way to answer that question is, um, you know, it's the product market fit question. Like if, if, if we were to rip this product out, you know, tomorrow, like how much pain would that cause you guys and what would that mean? Uh, so that's one area. That's what is it delivering now, but that doesn't cover what it needs to be delivering uh, tomorrow. Um, so to use that SAS optic, optics or that HubSpot analogy. And so, yeah, you want to be you want to be paranoid if you don't have a clear, if we hit these two impact metrics over the next 12 months, then, you know, Acme company is going to be wildly happy with our Canary software because, hey, if we've doubled their leads and we're delivering these things, then I know that this executive signed off on this joint impact plan um, yeah. and we're, we're meeting each month to move the ball forward, you know, for that, then then uh, then you know you're in a good spot but you don't get there by just sort of having these comfortable, like cushy, nice meetings. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I think you've got the right takeaway there. With that, look forward to unpacking this and many more topics. Uh, till next time, Maddie. Till next time. Great Thanks, chat. Mark. Great See chat. Ya. See ya. <laughs> Hey there. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Startup Jobs. This episode was made in collaboration with our friends at Early Work Academy, Australia's only tech sales bootcamp with a job guarantee. Applications are currently open for the next cohort and all of the details are in the show notes. And finally, if something resonated with you in today's episode, we're posting episodes like this every week, including CEO memos straight from Michael. The best way to get these episodes on the day is by hitting the follow button on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. We'll see you next time.